Greetings, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Thanks so much for joining me again today on this chapter of the journey. We're in Genesis 30, and it was verses 22 through 24 that resonated. It says, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, May the Lord add to me another son. Today's podcast is entitled, Flawed Characters. One of the things that Wendy and I have enjoyed doing the past year or so is to watch some of the epic film series in order. So this summer we watched all 11 movies of the Star Wars canon in the chronological order of the story arc. And we've begun doing that now with the Marvel Universe. One of the things that she and I have discussed about the Harry Potter films in particular, is that they were written and produced with a fatal flaw. And that is none of the film's writers and directors knew the entire story until the final installment because they were produced as the story was being told. There was, therefore, important story elements in the earlier books that were important threads to the larger story, but those telling the particular episode of the epic didn't know this or couldn't see it. I hope they redo those and do it better sometime. You know, along my journey, I've observed a common flaw with those who read and study the great story. And it's that it's easy to get lost in the minutia of the immediate episode that I'm reading, so much so that I lose sight that this episode is a thread in the larger theme that the author of life is telling. Today's chapter contains two stories that can be, quite frankly, head-scratchers. Both episodes of Jacob's story flash back to earlier events, and then they foreshadow important elements of the story to come. The first episode is the great birthing contest between sisters Leah and Rachel, both wives of Jacob and their concubines. The second is Jacob's deceptive scheme to increase his herds at his uncle's expense. Now, in the culture of that day, providing your husband with a male heir was of utmost importance. In fact, a wife who did not produce a son by a prescribed period of time could nullify the marriage. In many cases, a wife would live with her father in his house until she did produce a male heir. So the rivalry between sisters fuels their desire to win favor by producing sons for Jacob. Rachel's barrenness and her demand that Jacob bear sons by her servant, well, those are flashbacks to Grandma Sarah, who did the same thing. And likewise, Jacob's shrewd deceit of his uncle Laban in increasing his flocks harkens back to the theme of deceit that has pervaded Rebecca's family, and Jacob's life. The story also foreshadows important elements in the story to come. Of all the sons born to Jacob, two are going to figure prominently in the rest of Genesis and in the history of the 12 tribes of Israel. Leah's son Judah will lead the tribe from which King David will come and the future Messiah will be born. Rachel's firstborn, Joseph, will live a life of exile and redemption 
which foreshadows the nation's exile to come hundreds of years later. And ultimately, Joseph saves the entire family and becomes the conduit through which the next major chapter of the great story will be told. Now, the forest that is often lost in the trees of this story is the covenant God gave to Abraham. And what was that covenant? To expand Abraham's descendants and bless all nations of the earth through them. And this is the blessing that Jacob is a part of. The birthing contest with all of its human flaws and conflict and intrigue is going to exponentially increase Abraham's descendants. The many sons of Jacob will become the 12 tribes of Israel. So in the quiet this morning, I find myself again contemplating the fact that the great story is being told through flawed, sinful human beings. I can look at each character, from Abraham to Rachel, and find character flaws, sins, and mistakes. Yet, with the exception of Jesus, that's true of every human character in the entire great story. That's true of me. Jacob, Rachel, and Leah are part of the larger story of Abraham's covenant. Abraham's covenant is a larger part of the story of God's redeeming following humanity, with no one to use but sinful human beings. God weaves the storyline through human failings, ultimately redeeming them in the larger work of the ultimate redemption, which is the meta-theme of the great story itself. And in the quiet this morning, I take comfort in that. In this way, I am Jacob, I am Rachel, I am Rebecca and Laban. Jesus placed his ministry into the hands of 12 flawed human beings which they then passed on to other flawed human beings, and it passed from flawed human being to flawed human being until 2,000 years later it ultimately reached me. I am a flawed human, but that does not disqualify me from playing my role in this penultimate drama. It does not cancel me in God's eyes. It merely makes me part of the meta-theme of redemption, just like every other human in the great story. You know, I recently heard that the great Al, Al, you know, I recently heard that the great actor Alan Rickman was considering quitting the role of Severus Snape in the series of Harry Potter films because Snape, well, he seems like a one-dimensional, irredeemably bad villain. So J.K. Rowling pulled him aside to explain the powerful, redemptive role that Snape ultimately plays in the epic story, which does not become fully clear until the end. And gratefully, Rickman stuck with the role. Now, sometimes the seemingly irredeemable characters are essential to the ultimate story of redemption. Have a great day, my friends. We'll see you back here tomorrow.